That was your job. <laughs> what other guys? Good afternoon, everybody. Great to see you. Thank you all for hanging out. We don't care whether you, we just want you here. We don't need you to pay attention. <laughs> right? So don't worry about it. Just hang out with us. We'll be Laptop's fine. optional. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Paying attention is extremely optional. I, is, is that's who, I didn't know that was him. <laughs> oh, great. We're I'm in trouble. Stunt double. We're in trouble now. <laughs> Carl's, Carl's going to not attract anybody. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, just hand out popcorn. So, hello, everybody. Uh, just, we, this is the uh, one o'clock session that's starting a little earlier, but I just wanted to, uh, we had the opportunity to start earlier, so we're going to start early. Why not? Give Jason another five minutes. So my name is Steve Brummer. I'm a partner in a company called BHIOT Group. Uh, we are one of the leading providers of strategies, execution services, advisory services, and consulting in the IoT space, both industrial and consumer. For us, it's all about trying to figure out a way to make money in this space. Where is the money? How do you make the money? How do you put it together? How do you bring products and services to market on a worldwide basis? Regardless of what technology is being used, but all around the Internet of Things. So um, I have the pleasure of uh, hanging out with Jason here. Uh, Jason, tell us who you are and what the company is all about. Sure. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Jason Ashton, I'm the president of CallPass Tech and CallPass MM Solutions. Uh, our offices are based in Clearwater, Florida. Um, company was founded in 2006, uh, CallPass Tech, primarily GPS tracking for subprime auto finance. In 2013, we created a subsidiary company, CallPass MM Solutions, to focus on our asset tracking platform, building that out and providing solutions for all, all industries uh, who have asset tracking needs. So how did you get into this business? I don't know. I want to get out. <laughs> you want to get out? <laughs> Marry rich. Oh, that's, that's right. It. You're getting married. That's right. That's right. Um, I got into the industry uh, crash course in GPS technology back in 2001. I was working with a software company, and uh, we integrated our software with WebTech Wireless Nat Roads. Um, so I kind of learned a little bit about GPS back in 01, um, and through my career, um, when the opportunity with CallPass came. Um, to head up a technology company. Um, I was lucky that the ownership group tagged me, and that's how I've been here for the last 12 years. And so when you look at this, th where this is a fireside chat. Can't you see the fire? It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's warm up here. It's, it's warm up yeah. here. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the warmth of the fireplace. And this session is called Time to Redefine Asset Tracking. Um, as we look at this show, thinking of assets, thinking of what the audience is looking at and the tracking of this stuff, you know, we're not, we're going to, we're going to look at asset tracking from the end of the manufacturing line and beyond, okay, from today. So my first question is your assessment of the current state of asset tracking. Give me a good definition of what you see it to as it is today and the assessment of where the market is. Okay. Well, obviously, we're, we're looking at inside the manufacturing facility here, and there's some amazing technology and robotics, but we, we wouldn't look at this as asset tracking, right? 
Um, you I, would or would not? I'm sorry? You would? Uh, I think there's certain elements to it, and I think as, if we dive into IoT a little bit, we'll, we'll talk more about that sensor integration. Um, but when, when I'm looking at asset tracking, I, I'm still looking at it, or I think the industry is looking at it still, fleet first, what about my assets second? Almost a secondary play um, for that GPS technology and sensor integration, right? So it, it starts with a truck or it starts with something in motion and, and the location-based services. Um, and then it's what are we classifying as high-valued assets or assets in general, all right? Um, so as the industry is evolving, we're, we're trying to get away from dots on a map and into data analytics um, and improving the overall asset management. Are companies willing to pay for data analytics? <laughs> um, it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Every once in a while, I get a that's good it. one in. <laughs> I, I think that's a big thing right now. Um, I can get two done. I think there's an evaluation gap at times of what's, what do these things cost, what is, whether it's a GPS tracker or a sensor. Um, I think there's a huge demand, and I think there is a willingness to spend. Um, I don't know if that willingness to spend is measured properly. I think there's a lot of perception, and, and what I mean by that is there's a perceived cost, all right, of- Perceived cost of getting the data analyzed. Correct, there's a perceived cost of whether it's, it, you're starting with a device, you're starting with a platform, um, and that data analytics. Um, I think there, there's a huge process in dismissing the perception of the cost and getting into the value. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part about selling data in general, yeah. whether it's AI data, machine learning data, doesn't really matter. Um, but today in our marketplace, and I just got done doing a, a podcast uh, on Friday with the lar one of the largest data center owners in the, in the world, and one thing we talked about was the perceived cost of getting data from there. But... He's stating, and I agree with him, that less than 10 to 12% of all data is analyzed. Regardless of whether it's IoT data or general data, but less than 12% of all data is analyzed. So what the hell am I buying? You know, Why would I buy it if only 12% of the data that's being generated from the asset that you're tracking, mm -hmm. what do I, what, you know, what good is it? What's the, does that mean I'm only gonna pay 12% of every dollar that it would normally cost for me? I would hope not from a business standpoint, that would be detrimental to the cause. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's a right answer to that, right? I mean, it, when we talk about data analytics, what, what, are, what are you analyzing first and foremost, all right? But or what data are you producing? What are you producing? So it's not, for me, it's not, are we analyzing the data? It's are you quantifying your asset itself, right? Why is it considered a high value asset? Is it, is it performing some type of function that's essential to your business operation, all right? Is it supposed to be generating revenue because it's supposed to be on-site at a job or a yard or, or a customer's facility, something along those lines? So you don't necessarily need data analytics to answer that question. You need the business case to answer that question. And that, and that goes back to what is asset tracking, all right? Whether it's that stool, whether it's that camera, whether it's a, a machine on these floors, where is it supposed to be? What is it supposed to be doing? And how do you capture that and measure it? And are you having to sell the value of asset tracking on a day-in, day-out basis with prospects? Very much so. Very much so. And I, I think the reason, again, is there's, for lack of a better term, tire-kicking technology, 
right? Somebody saw a commercial, someone came to a show like this, um, maybe it isn't a corporate initiative, and somebody wants to, hey, go see what technology's out there, right? Versus we have a business need, let's evaluate what that need is, let's find a solution that fits, all right? And then let's justify if it's cost effective, right? And then if we implement it, then we can take that next step and, and look at analyzing data. So when you look at uh, CallPass today, how are you looking to redefine asset tracking in general? Is that a difficult task since you have to educate so much? It's not easy. Um, what, what we're trying to do, and, and we're trying to approach everything platform first, um, where we want to make sure that the platform we're providing is not um, limited to just one device type, one asset type. Um, we want the platform to be as robust as possible, and more importantly, we want to we integrate the GPS components with the sensor technology and the evolving technology that's coming and make sure that when the data is in the platform, it's easy to understand, it's easy to ingest, all right? And then if you want to get into the analytics, you know, being a cloud-based platform, a little bit of machine learning and a little bit of machine analytics taking place as well. And so when you look at redefining asset tracking today in the marketplace, is it because of the market changing, the technology changing? Mm -hmm. What? I think it's a combination of the two, and I think it's a little, it, it's getting away from that old guard of, you know, I, and I think if you talk to a lot of salespeople, you, your biggest competitor is no change. And that usually stems from a comment such as, well, this is the way it's always been done. This is the way we do it. This is an industry standard. And we want to redefine that by showing people that the way you did it Right, was it brought you to where you are today and you were successful as a result of it. But if you're looking to still grow your company, grow your business segment, evolution needs to take place and this technology helps you with that asset. Um, because we're no longer talking about, you know, the number one use case being loss or theft, right? It's about, it's about monetizing your asset. Where is it supposed to be? What is it supposed to be doing? Is it generating the requisite revenue? Because if it's not on that job 52 weeks of the year, it's not how much that asset costs you, it's how much revenue it's no longer generating. What does that do to the bottom line? That's interesting, so when you look at the ROI, is the ROI modeling changed dramatically? I think the ROI modeling that, you know, providers like myself that started in, you know, some form of fleet tracking, where it was six questions on a dashboard and you put it in and all of a sudden it spit out this giant ROI to just, Exactly, and it, and it justified your $49.95 a month fee. Um, I, I think the challenge with ROI today, and it goes back to my comment about the way companies evaluate this type of technology, I think if it was more around this is our business need, this is the business unit we're looking to either improve or increase revenue gains, and then they looked at it from a standpoint of if we implement this or if we can change this function, what does that do to the bottom line? So the ROI needs to come from the customer now more than ever versus a provider like ourselves suggesting that if you check these five boxes, it justifies our cost. Is it tangible or intangible ROI? Meaning that uh, is it the data that the customer is looking for mm -hmm. is from that standpoint or is it just the idea that I need to know where this stuff is? I think that goes into what position you are in a company, what the hierarchy is, right? Um, you're always gonna have an end user and you're always gonna have uh, a champion of the product, right? So up top, you might be looking at strictly financials, 
right? It, it might be a bottom line deal where if you're, an if you're in the operation or the you're the end user of a platform, you're looking at what can it do for me day in and day out, and then we start getting into the operational efficiencies and how we're utilizing the platform itself. Is it making life easier? Is it giving me that peace of mind to know that I can come in in the morning, hit a button, check a dashboard, everything's where it's supposed to be. Oops, I have an anomaly. Let's make sure that goes over there. So today, when we look at IoT and asset tracking, has IoT impacted or changed the way the asset tracking market looks at things today? I think it has um, for, the, for the good and the bad. Um, I think anytime we have these buzzwords like IoT, and it's kind of here to stay, but it, it's, it's like going back five years ago when everything was big data, right? We're still talking about it, but we don't use that term as much, all right? When I, th when I originally think of IoT, and there's a lot of it going on behind us, right? I, I still think connected home. I still think my, you know, my Nest thermometer um, versus what we're doing with GPS technology and that more machine and machine element. So I think what happens is, um, again, someone hears IoT, they walk into the office and you know, they go to their tech person and say, hey, what are we doing about delivering pizzas with drones powered by blockchain? And someone looks at you like, w did you listen to a podcast on your way in the office? Please leave, <laughs> all right? So when you, when you have that element of IoT in asset tracking, um, the benefit, obviously, the sensor integration, the multiple lines of technology that you can now integrate to track a trailer and a tractor and the contents. And not only is it point A and point B, but is it in circulation, all right? When you add that layer of IoT to asset tracking, that's when I think you have the positive impact. How many customers are uh, not even bringing up IoT in the discussion with you around asset tracking, what they need? I think right now it's probably 50-50. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, it, I think it depends more on what industry you're, you're talking to. We do a lot of business in scrap and waste, and they're not so much looking at it from an IoT standpoint. It's still very, I have, a, I have an asset, in this case, a, a roll-off container. I need to know where my can is at all time. Um, so you're, you're back to that GPS-first technology, not so much the sens sensor integration. But then you have the back-end component, like our platform, where you have proprietary systems in place, whether they're accounting, whether they're operational, um, where we could take some of that data and push it into the proprietary system. When we talk about costs, uh, obviously you, for our, the, you know, the time you've been in this industry, you've seen it go from 49.99 a month down to not as much. Not as much. Not as much. <laughs> um, has the cost affected Everything. I mean, is it, it, how how is that? I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the profitability of your company based on it, but how has cost changed so dramatically over the last couple of years to affect your business? I think good, bad. Sure. If you start hardware out, right? If, if you're in a component-based environment, GPS tracking devices, etc. Um, and I heard you reference this earlier. You know, module costs are, are coming down. Data has never been cheaper. Um, so the, the perceived cost of what it actually takes to build a device and get it to market has come down quite a bit. I think the challenge with cost more than anything now is, and we're back to the ROI statement, right? The end user, what do they suggest that cost should be, right? And if you're a company that's pricing your platform or your, your uh, products online and it's 1995, well, you're giving somebody the opportunity to come look at it and say, 
I don't value that price. I think it's too expensive. And they move on, right, without getting to the root cause of, again, back to what is my issue at hand, right? What is it currently doing to the financial bottom line? And if we're going to implement technology, does that technology fit into our budget? And if it does, all right, it's, it, the ROI should be a positive thing. So what we've seen um, with the emphasis on platform over product these days and your sensor integration, um, you have lower cost sensors, you have lower cost GPS devices, so the value is back to the platform and the data that's coming out. So your monthly subscription, uh, you know, the, the SaaS service model um, has really, you know, solidified itself. Um, from the evolution of fleet, like you were saying, 49.95 for dots on a map, and now it's all about the analytics you're getting behind it. Are you seeing people, uh, you're seeing your business increase dramatically because of a lower price point? Are customers coming to you saying, okay, I, I, I know you're gonna be able to track my stuff, what's your price, and that's all they're going for? You still get that 70% of the time. <laughs> that's, that's not a made up number, that's an industry fact. Um, 70% of the time, your customers, prospects are coming to you, price only, I don't care how the hell you do it. it price first, and it's usually followed by, I've already evaluated six other companies, what makes you different? Well, you're not really asking what makes me different if you're asking about price first, right? right? Because you haven't gotten to a place where you heard a magic number, so whether you're going into it thinking this is only worth a dollar a month or a thousand dollars a month, if you're putting the price out there first, you're not, you're not interested in solving a problem, you're interested in solving a budgetary need. So that's a great lead into one of the other questions I had, which is when companies are evaluating their asset tracking needs, how do you switch them from price to the value add that you and your systems and your products have? What's the willingness to have the conversation? Are they truly kicking tires? Or are they interested in solving a problem? If you're interested in solving a problem um, and you're an end user, you're going to sit down, you're going to talk to a salesperson in that more consult consultative conversation, right? Here's what we do every day. Here's what our assets do every day. Here's what we'd like them to do. Um, how can your platform help? If we just walked into every situation or sales situation and set up a laptop, threw a projector up, and said, this is what our platform does, you're going to miss the value to the customer every time because it's just the flow of a, a presentation versus how it matches up to what the business process is. So is there misconceptions within the industry of, uh, or amongst companies in the marketplace around asset tracking? Well, I think price is a big misconception. Everybody thinks it should be free. Um, I disagree with that. <laughs> because you're running a nonprofit business, aren't you, Jay? Yeah, we just changed while we were up here to .org. Um, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely believe that. I think there is still a disconnect with um, um, the perceived lower cost of, whether it's the hardware or the platform, everybody thinks it's a shrinking uh, model. That would suggest in five years asset tracking is free or 99 cents. I don't think that's ever going to be the case. Um, and I think you get what you pay for in the long run. There's a lot of labeled inexpensive solutions that are built on cheap technology, right? Your device is going to be as strong as your board and your module and your antenna and everything that goes along with it. If you're getting those um, ad hoc and, you know, cut rate, um, boards, you're going to suffer from it because it's going to eventually either um, disconnect and not reconnect, and you're going to have an asset that's in limbo. Um, but if you're if you're evaluating the overall solution, product, software, you know, platform, sensor integration, and arrive at a place where hey, we have a budget, 
all right, and this budget's going to be spent. So some of our largest customers, you know, we'll go into the initial evaluations and they'll tell us, hey, this is a two-year rollout, right? Nothing's going to happen today, and we work with them over that length of time. And at the, you know, at the end of 24 months, budgets, the budgets are there, and you, you begin your rollout. So you're talking about different technologies. Today we have so many technologies. Mm -hmm. Are, is CallPass locked into one type of technology or multiple ones, and it doesn't matter to you? Um, well, from a platform standpoint, you know we're, we're a cloud-based platform. Um, so we're expanding the different types of sensors we're integrating with. We're expanding how we utilize the tools inside the cloud, whether it's Azure or AWS, and how you associate that. Um, being a GPS first company, um, obviously GPS over cellular technology is the mainstay and the driver of what we do. Um, but you know we're, we're investigating and implementing other technologies, whether that's Wi-Fi, whether that's Bluetooth beacons, LoRa networks. Right. So what we're trying to do is really keep our eyes forward and be able to be as nimble as possible for customer demands and not lock ourselves out with the answer of we only do this. Yeah, that's. That's a kiss of death for our growth. Well, if you want, if you want to grow and if you want to expand, if, if you're going to stay in a niche industry and it, it's going to work, that's great. Um, but you know, we're we're not up here representing ourselves as the X company. We're a platform company, and we help a variety of different industries um, solve a lot of solutions around their asset tracking. Can you give me an example of one of the new products that you have today that is a wow factor, a cool factor that's driving? adoption? Um, what we're doing right now um, with our partners, of course, um, is we've, we've rolled out or, in, or in, in the midst of rolling out a trailer tracking surface volume, uh, volumetric sensor technology that is taking not only the camera and not only an image, but giving you real-time surface volume um, in the back of that trailer, all right? Door open, door close functionality, I mean, you know, that, that's not new, obviously. But having it all in one box, right, having it all in one system, and more importantly, all in one platform um, is new. And what we're seeing, um, we're seeing efficiencies down to 5 to 7%. Um, so door goes up, we can tell you exactly what's in there, what the load is, all right, and what you have left, whether it's time to pick it up or wait until it's uh, full. And are you doing CapEx, OpEx, and CapEx? How, how is how are you selling today? We have, a, we have a blend. I mean, a majority of what we do is you're buying the hardware and the application separately. So the hardware is a one-time cost, um, and you own the hardware. And then from a platform standpoint, it's a SaaS model. All right? We, we do have companies that want to request whether, um, whether it's just a, a monthly number right, and a leasing arrangement. Um, we're actually working on some rental programs right now um, to give people. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you after. Rental, yeah. is, that's interesting. How's that working? Uh, ju just really getting underway with it. How, it's is, is, did, was that customer demand, prospect demand? Well, I, I think it's uh, being told no a lot because of price. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do we get people to try it where it's not punitive? How do you get somebody to... So it's used as a POC scenario? More or less, okay. right? So I instead of saying, here's a lower um, OPEX standpoint because we're going to bundle everything and then you're going to pay it off over three years, why don't we just allow you to try this for up to six months, right? And you pay a... a, you, give a, a you give them a platform instance and yep. let them play? You're, you're, get, you're getting your hardware, you're getting your platform, and you're getting to essentially rent to own 
over a six-month period of time, um, you can send it back. And, you know, everybody parts ways as friends because you found out that this isn't going to work for you. Um, if you go past the six months, then you're on a SaaS model and you're just paying a monthly rate. One of the big uh, changes we made over the last two years is going away from long-term contracts. Um, probably not the smartest business model, as someone would tell me. Don't you want that three-year guarantee? Sure we do. Um, but what we find is, e over time, those relationships uh, end badly. Um, when, you, when you're locked into something and you can't get out, when 12 months is, is proven to you that this isn't the right solution. Well, I mean, anything in, the, in our IoT space, we're looking at it like 50 to 75% of all POCs don't get deployed. And so in our industry, we're always trying to figure out a way to d reduce the amount of failures of POCs being converted. That's a really cool way of being able to do it because you're playing for six months, you're renting it, you can yep. hand it back if you don't like it, but the odds are you're going to like it and convert to full deployment. Right, and if, if, if you're making that decision by actually using it, and to your point of those POCs, w most, most instances we see, they forget about go to production, they never get installed. So when we're talking about GPS trackers, right, that's sitting on someone's desk because you sent it to them, there's no skin in the game, right? Everybody's busy, there's always a new initiative, and it just never gets installed. So it, ge it gets returned and it's thank you, thanks but no thanks. Versus this really puts the power back into the end user's hands and they get a fair evaluation of this is something they want to move forward with. So put on your, um, your crystal ball, look at three to five years, where do you see the world of asset tracking and, and call pass? I see call pass as platform evolving. I see us integrated with um, multiple sensors, um, anywhere from Bluetooth um, to LoRa. Um, we're doing a lot with uh, cold chain, temp and reefer. Um, we see a lot with the machinery you have here today. Um, we're working with some partners right now on proprietary PID diagnostics across all different types of um, um, equipment, right? So kind of getting out of the box, if you will, of just GPS. Um, we're always going to be a location-based services company first, um, but we know that there's more data and more analytics that needs to take place than just the dot on the map. So rumor has it you have a booth here? Where is the booth, and what can they see at the booth? I do. The booth actually moved this morning. What's the new number? 4971? 4971. 4971. It's over in C, which is quite a hike, if you guys haven't been over there. All right. There's a little escalator that cuts across, save you a little, <laughs> little bit of time. What can they see there? The escalator? Had to do it. <laughs> Um, 10,000 comedians out of work. <laughs> I got to sit here and listen to your crap, huh? Really? <laughs> we just met. Um, <laughs> um, at our booth, we have a, a, a full product line. All right, so there's a little show and tell from a hardware standpoint. Um, our LanaVision, which is what, what I was speaking about as far as the, the trailer and camera technology, we have that on display. Um, we've got some videos and PowerPoints that kind of give you a rundown of the platform um, and what we're all about. So if you guys are interested, by all means, come over and see us. I have time for a question or so. Does anybody have a final question for Jason? Anybody? Yes, sir. Second. Sir, do you do business with the DOD? And if yes, how can we get in, in, into your... Did you say the DOD? Yeah. Currently, we do not. 
Um, we, we've made a conscious effort to um, not get involved in government agencies. Um, and, and really, from a, and this is purely a business standpoint, um, it wasn't our initial business model. And taking a long look at it, there's so much bureaucracy, red tape, everything that goes along with it, um, that we just decided it wasn't the right move for us. At the same time, if you're in, if you're in with those types of organizations, from a long-term standpoint, you know, it's, it's great revenue. Do you, do you have an opportunity that, that he can well, work on? <laughs> I'm trying to help you close <laughs> no, something, Jason. <laughs> Man, that's a, a good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other comments or questions? Yep. How many units are you? Uh, hold on. From the perspective of a, of a shipper, is there any device, any technology we could probably think of or, or use for tracking shipments? Specifically, I, I, I don't want a uh, GPS for a trailer. I want a GPS for my box, for my pallet. Mm -hmm. uh, quite often, uh, uh, shipments are lost with FedEx, DHL, UPS, mm -hmm. and they have no idea they where they are. Is are there they lost anything with FedEx? Else? Something like that? Uh, short answer is yes. Long answer is, um, from our standpoint, we're working with our, our manufacturing partners right now to come up with a lower cost device where you can, I don't want to consider it a throwaway, right? You're, the biggest challenge that we've seen when it comes to tracking packages or anything that's going from point A to point B that's losing that chain of custody, and let's call it a friendly, right? So if you're shipping from your facility in, in Seattle to your facility in Tampa, right? Well. Jim shipped it and Steve's gonna receive it and whatever's in that package, you could take the device and send it back or reroute it. But when it's going from Seattle and it's gonna wind up in Boston and someone's unpacking it and then there's a, a device in there of any kind, someone's just gonna toss it, right? So if you have a lower cost device that could be deemed disposable, um, then that's your best bet. So when you're talking about Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, again, depending on what that facility is, if you're not privy to that information or that technology, you're not going to get the right reading. So the, the short answer is that technology is being developed. Um, we're doing it right now with our manufacturing partners. All right. So we're hoping to have something in the next six to eight months that would be defined low cost tracking for packages. So by next year, we could probably have it uh, in the market. We, if, if you give us your card, we can uh, get you in a proof of concept probably by September. Um, but deployment would be most likely 2021. How was that? I asked for a card. Not bad. Okay. You're, you're getting there. He's getting there. It'll take a little time. So, Jason, how many units, how big are you? Kind of walk me through size and that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, we just crossed the 800,000 mark. Um, that's devices deployed. Um, we're in the midst of some pretty substantial rollouts right now. Um, again, on the asset tracking side, if you guys come over to the booth, you know, our, our best-selling product right now is our solar-powered asset tracker with a 10-year battery life. Um, we're, you know, last year we did slightly over 35,000 of those units, so we're looking to go two to three x that this year. And I'm sorry, I knowing knowing Steve, I'm sure he asked you this question already. But what's the application with the with the solar? Is there a specific outsource aspect of it? Yeah, so I mean that's a great question. Um, when you're talking about long-term deployments, whether it's a trailer container or something that's going to be off your property or is going to be 
out of line of sight and control for an extended period of time. The number one challenge you have with GPS technologies is the, bat is the battery life, all right? So if, if something's gonna be deployed for a year, two years or longer, all right, having a solar power device that's gonna um, perpetuate the battery life for up to 10 years, um, it, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? Versus having a device that's advertised that's gonna last you two to three years and realizing six months in, you gotta bring it back, you gotta figure out how to charge it. Okay. Any any applications from the Jason are you know, containers, dumpsters, those kinds of products that are outside that can be able to utilize that product in a very yeah we way. we do a lot with trailers, a lot with containers. The roll off uh, dumpster market and, and scrap and waste is a big fit for that. But it, it really comes down to uh, size of the equipment or size of the asset. All right. So. It, if you, if you want to eliminate battery life as a concern, and there's a lot of companies that, it, I don't want to, I'll use the word burned, right? They were sold something that they were told was going to last X, and it only lasted, you know, weeks or months, all right? So you, it's a big spend down the drain. This is really a, you know, set it and forget it, if you will, type GPS device, because you know that battery's gonna be good for up to 10 years. And we have devices in the field, our, our first deployed in 2014, and we can show you the data today that says that battery is still at 100%. Excellent. We're done. Thank you very much. Okay. Remember, Give